0: Welcome to the Grief Dreams Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining us again today for another episode. I'm super excited. I'm in the joy for two reasons. First, we got our co-host back on today. She's been uh, gone for a long time with uh, a lot of responsibility, especially her child. It's nice for her to come back on. Jade, how are you feeling today?
1: I'm also in the joy. Thank you, Josh. I'm happy to uh, be be back for this amazing episode. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. So thank you for having me. I'm happy that the scheduling uh, worked out for this.
0: All right. And so I guess I should say my name. So my name is Dr. Joshua Black, and we're gonna be talking all about grief, loss and dreams today. And with our special guest, this is the other reason why I'm super excited. So today, we have Mirabai Bush, and she teaches practices and develops programs through the application of contemplative principles and values to organizational life. She's a co-founder of the Center for Contemplative Mind and Society, founding board member of the Seva Foundation, and authored many books. Her most recent book, co-authored with Ram Dass, is called Walking Each Other Home, Conversations on Loving and Dying. So welcome, Maribai, to the podcast.
2: Thanks. I'm very happy to be here.
0: Are you in the joy, too?
2: <laughs> I'm in the joy. I've never heard that phrase before. I love it. <laughs>
0: My mom used to always sing it to me. It's like, I got the joy, 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 joy oh, down right. in my heart. <laughs> 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 oh, that's funny. Good. So, <laughs> it's good. It's a good day to be alive. And so I got to say, I read your book and I was blown away. I was, there was times I was laughing, times I was, I started crying. Other times I really thought about some of the words that you guys put forward and, and ideas you put um, forward. So uh, I want to sort of thank you for writing the book um, personally. And the other big thing too, the interesting way you wrote it was so unique. I've never really seen anything like that before. I felt like almost like it was a podcast being recorded between you and Ram Das.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought of that before, but especially the, um, uh, the, you know, audio book must sound that way. Oh, but, um <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I love that. It's very contemporary, <laughs> more than the word conversation. Mm. So I'm going to think of it as a podcast from now on.
0: <laughs> and did you read the book too, right?
1: Yes, I read the book. I, um, I couldn't put it down. And um, even thinking about it now, it was a very emotional kind of journey because... It just pulled on everything, and so, again, laugh, you know, laughing because the the um, wit and humor of Ram Dass that I've I've come to know and love was like very evident from the get go. But to really just see your dynamic between one another, and again, I I enjoy I also enjoyed you know the way it was written, but I couldn't put it down. And then when I finished it. It was almost like I grieved the end of the book, like, like that's it, it's <laughs> over. <laughs> like I got to the end and I, you know, and the tears started coming, and it's like, oh, why are you crying? Mm-hmm. But it, it's was over, so that was a weird journey because I've never really uh, felt grief, you know, for a book ending. But it just, it really brought me to a very sweet. I'm actually having some issues articulating like exactly what I felt but yeah it just it did something to me and um I'm the kind of person I love talking about death and dying which is why I'm I'm a host here and any opportunity I have to you know discuss those things uh I jump right on board and and so it felt like once again I was connecting with 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 friends and it felt like home because you know a lot of people kind of shy away from those topics and and you know you and Ram Dass absolutely didn't so that was that felt like oh you know I'm just reading a conversation between my people these are my friends these are you know things I want to talk about as well so amazing job in, in the book and um I don't know what your objective was, but whatever it was, um, um, it worked on me and it, and it just opening of the, of the heart and so cool journey. And I just, I love it. I've recommended it to so many people since I, I finished it and, um, they said, let me borrow it. And I said, no way, get your own copy because, <laughs> um, I, I feel like it's one of those books I, I, you know, you go back and kind of thumb through at a later date. So great. Thank you for that. Jade, thank you for saying that. I mean,
2: it, it sounds like of course, but I'm going to say that's why we wrote the book. But you know, sometimes <laughs> it's like, because you have an idea or something you want to put it out there. But we really wanted the book to speak to people directly, you know. And two things: one was one was that I've been teaching this annual retreat with Ramdas in Maui. It's called Open your heart in paradise. And to no surprise. It usually sells out in the first 10 or 15 minutes, and 300 that is, you know, online, and um, 350 people come. So, you know, so many people love Ramdas. And I get up and uh, start, if I was giving a talk, I get up and say something like, you know, and I was just, Ramdas and I were just talking about whatever the subject. And I could see. I just felt in the room so many people thinking, "Oh, I wish we, I were in that conversation with Ramdas." So that was part of what I wanted to do was was share this great opportunity that I always have with other people who love him. And um the other thing was that although Ramdas has talked about dying since his first book Be Here Now, which was in 1970, he's in a different space now as you could tell from the book he's a lot closer, he's 88, and so just by being closer to it, and and of course thinking and talking and practicing, he knows more than he did before, in a subtle way, so I really wanted to, I didn't want that to be lost for all of us, so anyhow, thank you for saying what you did is really moving.
1: Yeah, no, it's easy to say those things, it's it's easy. It's just, it's a beautiful, like the world needs that book and people that don't even know need that book, need that book. Um. <laughs> so, you know, just candid and funny and, you know, your chemistry, like I could just pick up on that. And, and you, you know, you're, reflections in between of going for a walk in between or taking a break or going to your room it was very human and so i really liked that because it was like these 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 concepts that are some concepts you know more at the beginning of my journey that seem so you know far out from where i am or or have kind of a mystical feeling and so it kept Uh, you know, a big picture of love, and then back to I'm going to go lay on my bed, and I'm not sure how I feel about this. And, (laughs) and so for me, it was kind of dipping in and out of like, you know, this, these, these grand love ideas, and then, you know, back to like, the humanness of it all. And then these grand loving ideas, you know, at times that seem, you know, particularly when we're having a bad day seem, you know, far off. But they're actually not they're actually not but it can feel like that you know and and so it was it was it was it was a good ride a good a good ride for me so yeah from the oh. bottom of my heart I uh I I thank you for, I thank you for the book I'm I'm really happy that I had the chance to explore it I'm happy we were together <laughs> you know it, it it
2: is pretty intimate I and I, you know, i had been writing it and then reading it back to Ramdas and we'd talk about it. And, and a couple of people had read it before it got published, but not too many. And they were close friends. And then I had to do the audio book. So I went to a studio and there was a, a couple of engineers and someone taking notes. And I went into a little room, you know, and closed the door and had headphones on. And I just sat there and, and picked up the book and read the book. But when I read it out loud I realized, Wow, this is I'm telling very personal things about myself and I would come <laughs> out and I see these people I'd never met before, you know. And I think, Oh my God, they know that about me and then I think, Oh my god, nearby, you are publishing this book and a lot of people are gonna know that about you, whatever, you know. <laughs> so that's when I realized it was, um, yeah it's quite personal, but you know, it has to be if you're talking about dying and loving. Mm. So thank you for everything you said.
1: Yeah, you're welcome.
0: And so Uh when you wrote the book, did anything surprise you about talking about death for so long and dying and even Mm. acknowledging his own death and also probably your own death?
2: Yeah. I, well, you know, I didn't think, I mean, I didn't have a lot of terror about death. Um, we start the book, as you know, with talking about fears of death. And I don't think I had big fears. I had been already lived a long life, lost a number of friends and my parents and had done a lot of spiritual practice. And so I'd gone through the sort of like first levels of fear about death. I didn't think there was much, but it took us two years to do the book because Ramdus is a Maui and I have to fly back. I live in Massachusetts. So I have to fly back and forth. And um, so during that time, I not only had the conversations with Ramdus, but then I read voraciously because I was a student of literature. <laughs> I read everything I could find on dying. And, and, you know, when you write a book, there's a lot that, doesn't end up in the book, you know, so it was, it was a project. And um, I found when it was over and I started, particularly when I started doing readings with the book and so on. And then also just as it ended, a very close friend of mine died and then two more within a year. And I found that I'm much lighter about it than I was. I, I find myself just much more, accepting it's still sad of course it's really sad when you lose someone you love but it wasn't i could hold it all i could look at it hold it sit with that person love him and just accept that you know we're all going to die and this person has died and i really miss him but i can hold that and i can hold that person within, you know, it's just a different relationship now. So that really surprised me because it was, in a way, it was subtle, but in another way, it was really important. So I've been really encouraging people to, what, in whatever way feels right for them, to just engage the fact that we're all going to die, whether you, you know, do practices around it. We put a lot of practices in the book or you talk with your friends about it, or you read books about it, whatever it is for you, that it's a really good thing to do because even those of us who think we're cool and we're not really afraid, there's there's a lot in there. It's the essence of life, the most important thing, that we are going to die and that changes the way you know, it makes every moment precious. So that's what I was surprised by.
0: Wow, I'm sorry to hear about all the different losses. That's uh, it's a lot to take. And I know in the book. Well, I'm talk... getting old, so. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what happens?
2: <laughs> that's what happens! <laughs> I I while I was doing the book, I have a meditation room at my house, and it has a table with a picture of my teachers on it you know and and the buddha and so on um but i decided as i was thinking so much about death to add another little table that um was for dear friends who had died and then there were a few and i put them up there but over time what i've noticed is my table is getting very crowded And (laughs) it's just interesting because it's like a physical manifestation of the truth. You know, so, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we are going to (laughs) die. Still, I mean, we still do everything we can to avoid it. But I now have a granddaughter. So I have she's nine now, but um, I have huge motivation to stay around for her.
0: That's beautiful. It's, beautiful. it's beautiful that you have you have that, uh, that extra reason to stay. But at the end of the day, you know, like I think, just who you are is just making a huge impact on everyone around you. And with you, because you not only talk about dying in the book, you also talk about the grief process. I think that was beautiful yeah. on, on how you incorporate it all. Because those people who are reading it, as much as they're afraid to die, they also have to deal with those who are dying and their own their own yes. suffering. Yeah. Um, You talk about you have some guidelines in there. So what's the most important thing you feel when it comes to sitting with the dying or sitting with the grieving? Because I feel it's very similar.
2: Oh, yeah, it is. Well, most important thing that dying people need the most is just a loving presence that is comfortable with the dying not just comfortable with the person but comfortable with the dying process and by comfortable i mean like the work that you do on yourself to let go of your fear of dying is important as you sit with dying people because they you know as people are dying they're very much more sensitive to you know what could be the vibrational realm you know and they uh, they can feel what you know your presence and The more your presence can just be, Ramdas calls it being a loving rock. You know, you're just sitting there like a mountain, um, just being, being loved, letting go of, of trying to change things, trying to keep this person alive, trying to, of, of your worries as you're watching this person die. Of course, all thoughts about your own death and deaths of others come into your mind. The best practice is to as things arise thoughts emotions memories to just notice them and let them go and bring your awareness back to the person who's dying and just sitting there just you know, generating loving kindness and spaciousness so that when that person is ready or he can go you know there's a syndrome that a I'm sure you know, of people dying when when family members are not there. I mean, there's one in which people wait until a family member shows up because they really want to say goodbye to that person. But there's also and this happened to me with my mother, frequently people will die when when they're alone. I was with my mother like forty eight hours in the hospital and um, it's just sitting in her room the whole time listening to her breathe. She was dying of lung cancer. And um, at one point, I just decided to walk down the hall and go to, there was a solarium at the end of the hall, and just sit there by myself for a little while, breathe. And I was gone for maybe 20 minutes. And that's when she died. And since that time, I've talked to lots of people about how there's people feel so much attachment to those they love. It's very hard for them to leave then. And when there's this space, they can do it. And so there's a way in which we can be with uh, the dying and at the same time create that space so they don't feel held back by our, you know, clinging or attachment or desires and that we're just there to help them transform
1: and a very good lesson for for life i feel like too like people can do what they have to do in in the world when we uh don't impose all these thousand conditions upon them like people they can they can let go of life and 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 transition but also i even just see evidence of that in my Day to day encounters with family and friends, and and when I just really allow people to do what they what they need to do, it, they're, they're more often than not they're more inclined to meet their potential or their purpose or whatever that looks like. If I'm less attached to to who I want them to be, and me and, and me and Joshua mm-hmm. have actually experienced a lot of that in our relationship as as well when we allow each other to to. Not who the other person wants or, you know, the other person's mm-hmm. selfish desires. But when we allow each other to, to be is when we do our best, our best work. So that's that's a really good insight for not only dying, but life as well. That's great. Thank you for saying that.
2: Really, you're absolutely right. And yes, <laughs> <Here's> a, I'll <laughs> tell a funny, a funny story about Ram Dass. So This spring, so the book was published a year and a half ago. And um, this spring, he, we thought he was dying. He had, a lot of his functions were not good. He he was at home, and he was, uh, and so the folks who took care of him called me and told me that, and I jumped, literally jumped on a plane. I had never done this before. It was night. I called the airport, and I said, I, want, I need a flight t- tomorrow morning for Maui. Usually when I go to Maui, it's like a big, preparation, you know. So I went right away and I got there and we thought he was dying. He was lying in bed. His mouth was open in the way often you see with a dying person his head was back, his um eyes were closed, and he really seemed to be slipping away. And so we sat with him for some hours and then we went to sleep and uh and a nurse came and put him on a just on a I I think just an IV give him fluids. And um the next day we were at breakfast and sure enough, in comes Ramdas in his wheelchair. Someone's <laughs> wheeling him. I said, Ramdas, what are you doing? He, he said uh I said, Ramdas Jack Leary, who's Tim Leary's son, um he's been calling and asking how you are, and I was just about to call him. Uh, what should like I tell him? He said, and then as, as I talked about in the book, he's got aphasia, so there are long silences and then a few words, you know, and then silence again. So this time he said, well, tell him, tell him I was dying and I changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just what happened. <laughs> so, anyhow, it just it's a year late. It's whatever nine months later is still around. So,
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, I that just like the funniest story, and yeah, I so know. great. And I had the feeling I actually like you know reading the book triggered a lot of emotions for me because I've I've it's been in my heart. Because I feel like me and Rob Doss are best friends, but he doesn't know it, and so yeah, yeah. I well, except he sure does not somewhere in except it. Except he does know it, Um but I feel like a lot of people probably have that have that that feeling as well. But when I finished the book, I had this sinking feeling like this is the last book, and you know, just a feel. What if this is the last book, and what if he leaves his body? And I don't get the chance to look at his face or hold his hand or, you know, have that moment that Mm. I had that longing in my heart for so many years. Like, just it's been it's like a, a constant, you know, and and. So I'm, I'm crying to myself in my living room, holding the book. Williams, if this is the last book and, (laughs) and uh, I can hear his voice saying like, you know, when it's time to sell the Ford, I'm going to sell the Ford. And, and (laughs) that, you know, that's going to be it. And so letting go of that attachment and that, that need because that's a very personal desire and that's a very, in my opinion, I, I, human desire to to want that Mm -hmm. like do I feel like that engagement or seeing his face would elevate our relationship or elevate something like I can get there's other ways to to get there but I think when you have an attachment you think that an experience Mm -hmm. is going to elicit a feeling or it's going to help you Mm -hmm. more navigate your journey or it's going to make me feel closer to Maharaji or whatever that is Uh, you have that longing and that that desire And so just to go through all of that and, you know, to read a book about letting go of that attachment and feeling that within myself, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like, you know, it's a dance. It's a it's a dance experience and it's and it's awakening of where am I like clinging to, you know, clinging to, to wanting that. So deeply, and there's nothing wrong with that, but just witnessing mm. how strong that is, and and it doesn't always equal mm-hmm. what I think it's going to equal, and and all those kind of you know little mm. jewels that you get from thinking about that, reflecting on that. Yeah. Well, two things come to mind.
2: One is we talked about in the book. We talk about regrets, and so I talk about how my sister had regrets when she was dying, and it kept her from relaxing and and peacefully dying she kept thinking of these regrets she had and um i know that you know we've heard lots of stories of people with big regrets as they die they always say nobody ever says i wish i'd spent more time in the office you know before they die but people always have you know i wish i'd spent more time with my grandchildren or whatever but so i told the story of my sister's regrets, but then I decided to ask Ramdas, even though I was sure he was gonna say he didn't have any. So I asked him, do you have any regrets about, you know, um, that could be there when you're dying? And um, to my big surprise, he said, yeah, yeah, I do have two regrets. The first was that he would no longer be able to be a vehicle for Maharaj's teachings, which I understood. You know, that made a lot of sense. And then he said, and I regret that I'm going to cause so many people to be sad. (laughs) I was so sweet. He, in the past, he kind of wouldn't even want to acknowledge that, you know, it would be, oh, that's just their attachment, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, I'm really within everybody. And, but, He gave a really human response, which I just loved. Yeah. And the other thing that I thought of when you were speaking was, and actually, I thought of this, I sat down for a few minutes before the call to think about dreams of um, people who had died. And I haven't really had too many exactly. But one really vivid one I had was of Neem Karoli Baba, who was the. Who was the guru teacher of both Ram Das and me, and um uh he did Ram Das met him in sixty eight i guess but i and I didn't meet him till nineteen seventy one which is when many of us who were with him met him, and then he died in seventy three so we didn't really have that much time with him, and I felt like well. I was with him for a year and a half or so, and then I came back home for a visit. Ramdas came back at this time also, and my husband, I was pregnant when I came home, and some others, uh, friends. And we were just gonna come back. We hadn't seen our families in a long time. In those days, it was like, I didn't make a phone call the whole time I was in India. It was, I mean, communication was really poor. And, um, so we decided we'd come home for a visit and then just go right back to India. And during that time, he died. And um, I had thought till then that, you know, any time I would be struggling with anything, I would just ask Maharaji, you know, <laughs> and then he wasn't there to ask anymore. And basically, over the longer term, I really felt like this was really a great gift to us because we had to look within and we and which was a much deeper state than depending on external wisdom but so sometime after he died I had a dream and and at his temple in North India uh, there was a river that ran by it and we would often go out to the river when he wasn't around we'd go to the river and sit there and you know we were going through so many changes and uh think about things and um meditate and i remember that i wrote the letter to my my phd committee telling them that i wasn't coming back i had been in the fourth year of my phd all i had to do is write my dissertation so i had to write them a letter and tell them i wasn't coming back and why and i remember doing that by the river there and um I, in the dream, I was in the river, and Maharaji was in the river, and he was famous for having no material possessions, and he would, he didn't even have clothes, he was always just wrapped in a plaid blanket, and um, (laughs) so, in the dream, he had a bathing suit made out of this plaid blanket. (laughs) And he was like swimming and frolicking in the dream and having a great time in this glad bathing suit. And when I woke up I felt like I felt like it was so much a message of it's all fine, you know, it's all fine. I'm still here and um we can still have fun and um don't worry, it's all within. You know. That was a great dream.
0: <laughs> Gee, I think you had a dream too after well, a couple of years ago about Maharaji.
1: Yeah, I did. It was in 2016. And um, it was the night before my birthday. It was the 24th of April. And mm-hmm. um, I went to sleep that night and I had a dream. It's so vivid. It's like amazing. It's one of those dreams where you remember everything. But um, mm. we were in an industri- i was in an industrial area of sorts i don't know where in the world i was but there was chaos a riot going on around me and there was people flipping over cars and burning them and there was violence and loud and it was completely overwhelming and i remember turning down this alleyway and going into this little hut like a wood hut it was dark and a little bit of light shining through a window with no glass in it. And I, I ran in there for kind of cover or like looking for a safe place, reprieve. And Maharaji was sitting on the in the corner on a bench wrapped in his blanket. And he had his legs crossed in the corner there. Mm-hmm. And I went over to him and... I sat beside him and kind of cuddled up next to him and he went to I got under the blanket kind of with him like in a you know to cuddle and he reached Mm -hmm. out to touch to touch my leg and as a joke because I've always read in the books how people would try to touch his leg and he would pull them under the blanket like nope got you kind of thing and it was you know a little bit of a humorous repartee mm-hmm. or, or whatever. So I pulled my, my leg under the blanket, which I would never do this in real life, but <laughs> I pulled my leg <laughs> under the blanket and like, no. And then he said, do you not want me to touch your leg? And then I said, no, Maharaji, I do. And then I put my leg back out and he put his hand on my knee and he looked me in the eyes and he said, all you need to remember is the dove of hope. And he said it
2: twice.
1: He said, is what of hope? All you need to remember is the dove of hope. Oh, oh. And that, Hmm. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know, I had nothing to go on but I had this calming feeling come over my spirit. And when I woke up, I was obviously elated. It was like the best morning of my life because I woke up and I was, (laughs) I don't know what that meant, but I know it's good. Let's do this Mm. kind of thing. And that was it. And I never, you know, I've asked him since then, like, what is the dove of hope? Like, I don't know what that means. Mm. Um, And I've never been able to put it together. So I've been patiently waiting for a clue. Of what what that reference is, or and I've asked, and like I said, that was in 2016. So nothing yet, no no pure clarification yet, but it has a positive connotation. So I'm just gonna run with that. Oh, I love it. <laughs> that's a great dream,
2: the dove of hope. Yeah, <laughs> that's wonderful. So if you figure
1: that one out, yeah. let me let you know. Mm,
2: but yeah. yeah, but it was. Well, maybe you, should tr- paint, maybe you should paint the dove or draw the dove or, you know, play with that idea a little bit so that, you know, because, of course, of course, you know, but you just have to hear it.
1: So, yes,
2: I love that. Uh, I was just last week, did an event with Brother David Stendhal-Rast. Do you know who he is? No. He's, he's a... Oh, he's a really great teacher. He's 93 now. But he he particularly taught a lot about gratitude and gratefulness. He's written a whole bunch of books on it. But he's a wonderful human. And um, so we were in a conversation, and he was saying that he was really discouraged about the state of the world right now. And, um, and so someone said, oh, I'd like to give you some hope about the of the world. He said, no, he said, I have hope because how I identify hope is a willingness or an openness to be surprised. I thought that was great. Because if you don't know what's going to happen and you're open to hearing the newness, then there's always hope.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. That's so beautiful. I uh, I actually I actually wanna um, talk a little bit about uh Neil Crowley Bob's death. I know when in the book, uh, I think even here you said like it wasn't really there wasn't like that big shock, like even with Ram Da saying it wasn't like you're in a deep mourn. You're like almost like you knew he was still there. But no, I know yeah. a lot of other devotees didn't have that. So mm-hmm. what was it? What was it yeah. like for you to be in a space where everyone's reacting differently to his yeah. death? Yeah.
2: Well, I think that's true no matter who dies, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, yes, I think I think it hit those who were physically with him at the time harder. I don't know if that's why, but but I mean if you've listen to Krishnadas, who's a great Kirtan leader, um, and others talk about it. I mean, he was really bereft for years. And, um, but I don't know. For me, soon, uh, and it was true for Ramdas too, and he, he writes about it in the book, but at first I was like totally sad. We all got together at Ramdass's father's farm and we were so sad. And then there's a group picture that was taken that day and everybody is smiling. So, you know, I think we knew he, I mean, he'd tell us, you know, that it's all within. And um, uh, we knew that. We knew that we were going to have all kinds of struggles and difficulties along the way but but I don't know i I just knew that that was true, and I wanted him to still be alive. I wanted to go to India and see him and talk to him and be with him, but I knew in the most important ways he was he was within, and um yeah, <laughs> I just remembered that one time. Some student of Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche, Tibetan teacher, asked him, uh, Rinpoche, if if it's always within you, what do you need a guru for? And he said, "Was he's in a Tibetan lineage where the guru is really important. Maharaji was outside lineage and he was outside form, basically. But Chogyam Trungpa said, you need a if he's the student said, If it's all within you, what do you need a guru for? And I said, You need a guru to tell you that it's all within you. <laughs> <laughs> so I felt like I had gotten that message from Maharaji. Mm-hmm. And it was true, you know. So yeah. Yeah.
0: You said uh I know one of your quotes in the book was when you met him was uh your heart was lost in his. Like he he made <laughs> everything just beautiful. Yeah. You know? And I think, you know, there's something yeah. so special about that. Talk about hope. Like, that gives you hope to do anything, you know? And someone yeah. can see you like that. And when you can see yourself like that, like yeah, anything's possible, right? Like, you're just, you're free. Like, that's when you feel the most yeah. free. And so I can yeah. see how his death can affect so many people because then they mm. feel as if they're not free, that they're trapped.
2: Yes. Yeah. No, of course. It's completely understandable and then you just have to keep remembering. I mean, even even if you didn't respond by by being in deep grief, it, he said it's all within you, but you have to, you know, and you are totally lovable. <laughs> but you have to keep remembering that because of course, you know, life, you know, just presents you with with uh so many opportunities to forget. Mm-hmm. So that's what practice is for really whatever the practice, you know, and is to simply keep looking within and keep remembering.
0: You know, and that's one of the beauties I see, even researching these grief dreams, um, that keeps coming up is there's this love that is amongst the with the deceased, not just gurus, but really almost anyone who's mm. died from prenatal lives yeah. to pet lives. like So there's this power, this love that's in there that allows people to remember that and to remember that bond that they have. And do you see that a lot? Because you're, you're talking with the grieving all the time um, and mm. the dying. Do you see a lot of positive imagery with the deceased or even with other devotees of Maharaji? Yes. Um,
2: yes. I think people who are able to Touch that place of knowing and uh trusting uh, are more open, I think that that is what you know of course i don't really know, but I feel and think that that is what the those who are now dead, what they uh can beam back to us basically is loving energy and um but you have to be open to receive it. And during the gr- really intense grief period, often um, you know people can't um, can't receive love because they're just so overwhelmed with the loss. And um, it's you know, a very human response, and it takes time to go through. It's an important thing about grieving that it, it's different for everybody. And it takes a different amount of time for everybody. But eventually that stage of like intense grief passes and there comes an, an the experience of uh having like taken that person into yourself and um and then you just uh well Ramdas would say soul to soul, you know, but you just really can um in as much as you can be in the space of love for that other being, you can receive um, their love back.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, I know. With uh, with these dreams being so beautiful, especially too, like if you're in intense grief or trauma, you can have more negative dreams of the deceased, almost like reenactments of the death mm. and stuff. And then, yeah, yeah, like, but most people are having these positive dreams, and I know a lot of people got jealous, can get jealous of people that have a dream. So, like, someone who's a devotee at oh. Maharaji, yes. you, oh, right. you two share, yeah. and said, where's my dream? Like, what's going on? What am I <laughs> right. doing wrong? Right? <laughs> I,
2: I, really, I was with him for a year and a half. I have, like, been his devotee ever since I had one dream of Mara. <laughs> Only that one I told you. But, uh, That's so funny. You know, so, actually, I. It's I, I, not I, measurable.
0: I know I, what's interesting. I did measure, I did look at that because I wanted to sort of give people a scientific explanation. And what we found was dream recall is the most important factor. So, it what it's saying to me is that those who remember most of their dreams remember more of these types of dreams with the deceased in it Mm. and so if you go further we're probably dreaming of our deceased loved ones a lot more than we're remembering it yeah remembering the dream is the the key right yeah and so it gave people a peace which i love that it's not that they don't love you it's not that you know like something's Mm -hmm. wrong you did something wrong you're feeling guilty for selling the home just you just don't remember your dreams that often you know that's that's okay yeah
2: yeah yeah, exactly. No, I know. I did one period in my life. I did some Jungian um, uh, therapy. And uh, part of it was remembering dreams. And, you know, I mean, you can do it. You mm-hmm. set the intention and you put that mm-hmm. notebook next to your pillow. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you you in the in the night, you're awakened by them and you Remember them, and then the next morning you remember them. But if you don't do that, most of us don't remember very many dreams. Um, and mm-hmm. so I agree with you, it, th- those dreams. But they're still working on your consciousness, even if you don't remember them in the morning. You know? mm. That's right. I like that.
0: I just want to sort of also mention too. I know time's coming to time. Time's coming to a close soon. But oh, uh, yeah. Ram da- Ram Dass had a dream of his own dying process, which I thought was so unique. And so funny at the same time, where he mm-hmm. saw his own funeral and he saw oh right who, right. right who <laughs> was there that was legitimate yeah. actually cared for him and who was there just because he was famous. Yeah. <laughs> that was
1: who good. was there because he was famous? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and but, I like you know, I, I like the part of the part about him writing his own eulogy too, and him struggling and going through all the
2: you know talking about that
1: and going through like this is an ego you know writing it from an ego dance and then sitting down and say you know it's just a back and forth of like is this appropriate thing it's just so those are such funny real reflections like they're just you know it's just a funny way of of putting it and putting that experience yeah. and like if you could yeah. write your own, what would that be? And, and what's tied up in that? And it's just, it's exactly. cool to think yeah. about. Yeah.
0: And so did you yeah. ever have, do you ever have your own dream of uh, like, when you're going through the process of writing the book of your own death or anything no. like that? No. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, um, or, or I didn't remember it. No, I haven't had that, but I have like, Done the the writing your obituary as a practice. Mm-hmm. Did I say obituary? <laughs> oh, obituary. <laughs> <laughs> and um, which is really good because when you think about what you want people to remember you for, it'd be good to do those things while you're still alive. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: And so it's one yeah. of the things that uh, you want to be remembered
2: for. Me, you know, Maharaj, you told me to love everyone and serve everyone. And so I just want to be remembered as really having tried to do that. And, you know, it's been different at each stage of my life. You know, I've had to, there was a wonderful thing about he said very little to us. But what he did say, you could keep revisiting because it meant something different every time you did. And um, so, yeah, I guess I want to be remembered for. You know, taking that as a serious uh, challenge, a new life instruction, and uh, working with it and trying to do it. Yeah, that's what I think.
0: Wow, okay. I like that. <laughs> uh, yeah.
2: yeah. I, Not I easy, would... needless to say. Yeah. <laughs> love everyone. Oh, sure. <laughs> 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 but, you know, as Martin Luther King said, I'm telling you to love everyone. You don't have to like everyone. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> and then uh for our, our final question before we wrap up we always like to ask our guests if you could have a dream tonight of someone who has died uh, who would that be and what would that look like
2: oh that's a nice question well I think I'd like I have this really great friend her name was Bokara Legendre and I I was the executor of her estate so I had to yeah and she died she had she died soon after her diagnosis prognosis um and um so she didn't have time to go through all her stuff and she didn't have she didn't have children or family so I had to go through all her stuff and figure out what to do with it and it was a year long process and i you know, I loved her a lot, and I miss her a lot because she was a lot of fun, and we used to do great things together. She lived in Mill Valley in New York City. When, during this year, any time I've gone back to those places, I just miss her terribly. So, um, I, you know, I would like to uh, be with her in a dream and laugh a lot together. I like she that. She was also a good friend of, she was a good friend of Ram as also. mm
0: we I dedicated I, the
2: book to her, actually. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
0: I, saw, I saw that. You both knew uh, Korole Baba and her. The, the book was dedicated to, um, which I really wanted to sort of ask about that because those are significant. That's a significant place yeah. to put someone.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. I think she kind died of
2: just as we finished.
0: That's and, wild. Uh,
2: we, yeah. And I had been with her in California, and then I went with Jack Kornfield. We've both been with her, and we went to teach with Ramdas. And that's a week long retreat. And when then we were going to go back to Bose. And um, she died during that time. It was wonderful that we were all together so we could have a ceremony for her. But it was also, we were sad.
0: So, did she get a chance to read your book?
2: Yes. Oh, she um, did. Oh. I, she didn't read it at all, but I read parts of it to her because she was dying. She was dying for a couple of months.
0: And, uh, yes, and she left it, yeah, wow, wow, that'd be mm. cool too. If she's like yeah. holding the book or something in the dream. I finished yeah. it,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really? I finished it that's <laughs> <It was> good,
0: <laughs> all right, so you know this is a it's a sad time, Jade, you know why,
2: uh, yeah. Don't tell, me. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Don't tell me why mm. <sighs> I wish I were with you.
1: <laughs> me too
2: some <laughs> no, um.
1: I have been, I have been waiting for this moment, so thank you for showing up today and sitting with us to have a conversation, and I can just feel your heart and spirit, and I hope that everyone who's listening to this feels whatever they're supposed to feel, (laughs) and here's what they're supposed to hear in the, in the right way. And i just, I'm grateful. So thank you for the opportunity to talk.
2: Thank you for everything you said. And thank you for loving Ram Dass and Maharaji. That I didn't know that. And that made me really happy and it made, me, made this call be very special for me also. So just stay in touch. Well okay. Deal.
0: And we love you, too. Don't forget yourself. (laughs) You're lovable, too.
2: (laughs) Yes, right. (laughs) We all are. Mm. Yeah. It's
0: it's the closing of another chapter. It's like finishing the book, finishing a podcast. Mm -hmm. It can bring tears because you're enjoying yourself so much and Mm -hmm. it has to end sometime, right? So I just want to thank you, Mm -hmm. too, personally. It's been uh, a very beautiful journey just talking with you. And, you know, I said talking about, you know, say, like, Maharajan. Because not a lot of people I know 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 him. So, like, to even say his name is a very beautiful thing for me. I have his picture on my wall.
2: So great. Um, Yeah. (laughs) That makes me really happy. And
0: I wouldn't doubt if He's one of the people that led me through the the journey of um, studying these dreams and... Becoming yeah. a place of respite for a lot of people looking for answers to their struggles with grief and with the dreams that they're having, mm. and just a safe space to be able to share them and to normalize the experience of these dreams. So, you know, his hands and everything, and uh, I'm just so happy that this was came together when it <laughs> did. And I, I look forward to continuing to chat with you in the future. Wonderful,
2: love you both. Uh, I all right love you too <laughs>
0: <laughs> and before oh, we go <laughs> <what>?
2: <laughs> and before we
0: go before we go is where can people yeah. find you
2: <laughs> oh and find the book um th- yeah dot is the easiest and um and you can do email through there you can do a hello at mirabai so okay that's how all right. And the book, of course, is on Amazon, but you can, um, and it's on org also. Beautiful. All
0: right. Thank you so much uh, again for, for coming on. And just to wrap up with our stuff, if you want to know more about Grief Dreams, visit griefdreams.ca. And we have an Instagram account and Twitter at Grief Dreams and a Facebook. If you want to share your dreams, you can join the Grief Dreams Facebook group there. And then uh, with love and gratitude from us to you.